Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. Good morning from Appamata in Austin, Texas. It is Sunday, March 182nd, 2020. That joke is a little stale, but it relates to this talk, which is about Buddhism and friendship. So most of us have spent five months in physical isolation. Some of us may feel we've gotten pretty good at this. Got some habits down, got some stuff figured out, figured out soon. Others of us may have hit a wall. Whatever you are experiencing is always changing and is always valid. And noticing that is, of course, our practice. But how do we maintain our sense of connection with Sangha and spiritual friendships through Zoom, through physical isolation? How do we offer our presence to others in a way that creates refuge? for ourselves and for them. So when we think about taking refuge in Buddhism, we take refuge in the three jewels, right? So that's the Buddha, our teachers, um, Dharma, the teachings, and also the practice of Zazen. And then the third jewel is Sangha, our Buddhist community, our spiritual community. And lately, it has gotten quite large. Um, looking around, I would say we're in uh, uh, England and Austin, and I'm not sure where Claudine is, but I'm pretty sure it's not Austin. Um, so the walls of our Zendo and the bounds of our um, Sangha um, have were already quite large, but have expanded enormously. Um, and that's a wonderful outcome of these changes. And so when we take refuge in these three jewels of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, what does that mean exactly? And so Flint, one of the senior teachers here, um, always remind it, reminds us that the you know etymology of the word refuge is flying back, flying back. So what do we keep going back to? What are our habits? And what I invite you to think about right now is, you know, what habits in the last five months um, have you created and are working well for you to support you during this really historic and unusual time? I know we all have learned new ways of doing things and some of them are working really well. We're very resilient, adaptable creatures, especially um, with the practice of Buddhism to support us. But also what habits aren't serving you well? 
I know for myself, and I think maybe for all of us, we thought this would just be like a month and then maybe like two months and then maybe maybe three months. And now, um, at least here in Austin, we'll be wearing masks um, through December 15th. And so maybe some habits that made sense at the beginning of this physical isolation no longer are serving us. For myself, um, I feel very fortunate to sit in the Zendo. It is, I confess, a little bit lonely without you. Um, and it's nice to see you guys and your presence. Um, when you're sitting over there, you can kind of see these little postage stamp people. And I know they're you, but I don't know exactly which versions of you. And so getting closer, I can see um, what physical version of you um, is here with me and I appreciate your presence. And I think it's easy to forget that um, part of our practice is of course for ourselves and that always is what draws us initially to practice is to um, uh, you know, in some way feel better or make some changes or whatever our, our original self-improvement project was that drew, drove us to um, sitting zazen Um, uh, it sounds like somebody isn't muted, so um, maybe just for everyone. Yeah, thank you. Um, lost my train of thought, but I'm going to find it here. Um, oh, yes. Um, what brought us initially is perhaps something for ourselves, but it's key to remember, especially five months into this physical isolation project, that we are sharing globally, that um, we also practice for one another. And so our presence here today helps everyone else here today. So um, that's a theme of this talk. Um, in a little while, um, after I introduce some themes from um, uh, this talk, we'll break into small groups of three and have a little bit more time to actually engage in spiritual friendship. And so, um, know that, that that is coming. Today I'll reference um, this book, Buddhism and Friendship, by um, Subhuti, um, which I will now say that any pronunciations of Indian and or Sanskrit names may or may not be correct, and I apologize um, to our ancestors and to all of you if I butcher anyone's name. It is unintentional. Um, this book was actually uh, the subject of a class that Peg taught a number of years ago, and you can find the recording if you're interested in diving in um, on the Appamata website, and I don't remember the exact year. Um, in one ancient story, Ananda, Buddha's famous student and assistant, comes to a realization. He announces that spiritual friendship is no less than half of the spiritual life. Like he realized that spiritual friendship is at least half of the practice. However, the Buddha kindly replied, that was wrong, that spiritual friendship is the whole of the spiritual life. And 
in this pandemic reality, it's hard to remember that. And when we do remember it, it's hard sometimes to figure out how to enact it. And so this whole talk will be about spiritual friendship. And so I want to um, kind of define what that is. And so in Sanskrit, um, the word that, um, or the way that the Buddha, um, or at least the teachings that were handed down, express spiritual friendship in Sanskrit was Kalyana Mitrata. And apparently, Mitrata is a word that's easy to define. It clearly means friendship. But the word Kalyana has a number of meanings, and they are um, beautiful, uh, morally good, um, helpful, pleasing to the heart and mind. So spiritual friendships um, are beautiful, morally good, um, helpful, and pleasing to the heart and mind. In another ancient story, Sariputra, a leading disciple, asserted wisely that Kalyana Mitrata, or spiritual friendship, is the whole of spiritual life, and the Buddha approved. Sariputra saw for himself that Kalyana Mitrata, spiritual friendship, and individual effort both contribute to the spiritual life. They're not separate. They're actually connected, maybe like a braid. In another story, the Buddha, the Buddha and a monk called Mekhiya, who served as the Buddha's attendant, were alone together in a rural area. Mekhiya was on a walk and he saw a mango grove by a river. It was quite beautiful. And he thought it would be an ideal spot to sit and meditate and in such a beautiful spot attain enlightenment. So he went back to the Buddha and he asked permission to go there and medita meditate in solitude. The Buddha mildly pointed out that in doing so, Meghiya would leave the Buddha by himself. But Meghiya was persistent and he pointed out that the Buddha had already attained enlightenment. So why couldn't he just go to the beautiful mango grove and, you know, try for himself? And so in a typically Buddhist way, um, the Buddha refuses three times. Nope, I don't think you should go. Nope, you're going to leave me by myself. And that's kind of beside the point. But uh, Makia was a very devoted um, student, and he decided that he wanted to go and, and meditate by himself in this beautiful spot. Um, I wish we all could be sitting in a cool mango grove by a beautiful river about now. Um, but when he gets there and sits, he finds that his mind is a mess. He is overcome with, quote, lustful daydreams and malicious fantasies. <laughs> I know we all have experienced those states of mind, um, especially just sometimes when we're feeling so good about our practice. Um, in any case, he feels terribly ashamed. Fortunately, he has a spiritual friend in the Buddha. He returns to the Buddha and the Buddha explains now that his student is open that 
Five things are required for the liberation of the heart. And the first of these is Kalyana Mitrata, spiritual friendship. Noticeably, the most important thing, the first thing, is not a teacher. It's actually having a friend by your side in this practice or by your side in Zoom. So spiritual friendship is important in Buddhist practice. Sangha is important. What we as members of the Sangha have in common, no matter how far away we are physically from one another, is that we are united spiritually by a common relationship to the Buddha and the Dharma. But this is abstract without it being actualized in real human relationships. Relationships of mutual concern and metta or compassion. And some of these relationships may mature into spiritual friendships. So some of you may be thinking, what about the hermits in the caves? It seems that community and solitude both contribute to the practice of Buddhism. But um, the author of this book um, suggests that we would do better to think of the spiritual life in terms of fellowship punctuated occasionally by solitude instead of the other way around. So, spiritual friendship is important, but um, the author of this book does a wonderful job of speaking to um, the fact that in the West, um, our society is quite different from the ancient um, society of India, China, and Japan, where people lived close to one another, probably didn't travel far distances or move far, far away from family. And they were obviously more interdependent with one another. In our society, I can only speak for the US, but I imagine it's true to some degree across the West. We, many of us, tend to undervalue friendship and we instead look for ways to maximize our freedom and minimize our obligations. I don't know about you, but I definitely can um, avow this. Um, there's nothing I love more than looking at my calendar and seeing nothing on it, which is rare. Um, and yet, um, as a consequence, many of us, therefore, are not um, uh, skillful at friendships because we haven't had the opportunity as adults um, to cultivate them. So what is a spiritual friend? The Buddha taught about this. He said um, monks, and we'll change that to Sangha members. Monks, let a monk cultivate a friend whose ways are seven, 
What seven? He gives what is hard to give. A friend is generous. She does what is hard to do. A friend is not just generous in terms of um, time or, or other resources. A friend is able to be present even when things are tough. He bears what is hard to bear. She confesses her own secret. A spiritual friend is someone that we can trust we can be honest with. He keeps others' secrets. A spiritual friend keeps our confidence. She in want forsakes one not. A spiritual friend, when someone is in need or is run across hard times, isn't headed for the door. He despises not one who is ruined. Verily, monks, let a monk cultivate a friend whose ways are such. None of this is too surprising, but um, it's helpful to think about it in terms of Buddha's practice. So often we don't think about that. And I know sometimes when I've led intensives um, and I've talked to students, they've, especially students new to the practice, they um, speak about how lonesome and sort of disconnected they feel in the Sangha. And, um, you know, one has to remember you're not alone. You know, whether you're in the Zendo or you're on Zoom, if we're sitting together, um, we're alone in our human body. Um, but we're not alone. And of course, in the world, we're not either. There are plenty of other beings all around us. And so many of us are drawn to Buddhism for um, a sense of shared values and a sense of community that actually is something that really has um, resonance for us. But it's important to remember that a true spiritual community is not an inward looking club right? But a compassionate force in the world. So the more deeply we participate in the Sangha, all of us, the more we will find ourselves drawn away from a sense of disconnection and toward active participation in the larger world. We'll be more connected. So by actually taking part in our Sangha, we connect as a whole to the larger world. So the more we participate in the Sangha, the more we will find ourselves blah, blah. By developing spiritual friendships, we are not just making ourselves and our friends happy. We are actually helping to reduce the sense of isolation in our society. Spiritual friendship helps to weave a fabric of community beyond the Sangha. And that sounds like a lot of what our country and the world needs right now. So finally, a few tips about um, a few tips about friendship. Um, the Alpamata website and our um, podcast channel 
and um, our YouTube channel all have a lot of talks and classes about actual skills um, in relating to other people that we may not have gotten in our Western world that kind of doesn't value friendship that much. Um, and this book speaks quite a lot about how that is true in the West and how we sort of elevate um, uh, a um, intimate partner over um, friendship while you know both are obviously um, needed in one's life. So um, a friend draws out what you most value in yourself. Um, they bring you um, being with them, elicits feelings of pleasure, joy, respect, and the sense of common ground. And that must be mutually, mutually felt. For some of us with certain conditioning, um, we may um, tend to befriend people who really aren't interested in us. And um, so it always is, is a mutual uh, call and response. In a spiritual friendship, there is a fundamental orientation towards goodness or towards our practice. Um, one person's love of the good can resonate with the same in another, even though both parties have faults and weaknesses. You know, it's not about um, two perfect Buddhas. Among the benefits of friends is that they look after you, they check in on you. And spiritual friends do so in a way that also includes your practice, that doesn't keep it separate. But spiritual friendships require time. It's not spontaneous, it's not automatic, and um, it's you know, key in a, in a practice that values presence um, that we be able to be present with one another. And yet, a final ancient story, um, spiritual friendships can deepen during time apart. And I think this is very affirming. Um, in a famous sutta translated, the title is translated as the way to the beyond sutta, the aged Brahmin Pingya comes home after a life-changing encounter with the Buddha. Pingya tells his former teacher, Bhavari, all about it. Bhavari asked the obvious, well, why didn't you stay with him then? Why did you come home? And Pingya replies, there is no moment for me, however small, that is spent away from Gotama, the Buddha. With constant and careful vigilance, it is possible for me to see him with my mind as clearly as with my eyes in night as well as day. Whichever way this universe of wisdom goes, it draws me with it. Physically, I cannot move like that. My body is decaying. I am old and weak. But the driving power of purposeful thought propels me without a break. So mature spiritual friendships don't rely on the physical presence of the friend. That's good news right now. If friends call each other to mind, especially during meditation, during a long mutual absence, they are likely to find on being reunited that by some strange means, their friendship has deepened. And that is what I wish for all of us. 
before Kim breaks us into groups of three for 20 minutes, I'd like to share a brief poem that I think captures so much of this talk. It's called A Gift. It's by a poet named Catherine Starbuck, and she's the author of a poetry collection called Grief Mania, which I think is an awesome title. A Gift. Who is that creature and who does he want? Me, I trust. I do not attempt to call out his name for fear he will tread on me. What do you believe, he asks. That we all want to be alone, I reply, except when we do not. That the world was open to my sorrow and ate most of it. That today is a gift and I am ready to receive you. So Kim, could you um, break us into groups for 20 minutes would be 1035, and that would give us um, time to have a kind of comeback as a group. Maybe, do you think um, 15 or 20, Kim, what would be better time-wise? I think 20 would be good. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. And so um, you'll find yourself in a group with two others and um, between you, divide up the time much as we did last week. And I wanted to do a shout out to Laurie. Thank you for um, popping in, Laurie. Uh, last week's talk that Laurie gave really had a, a wonderful um, a wonderful teaching on um, communication, which is a huge um, skill set that many of us just didn't get. Um, in life um, with friends. And so I recommend listening to last week's talk as well. So um, similar to last week, we'll break into groups of three and I invite you to, um, you can decide if you wanna sit for a minute, if you feel like you need to settle in together and then um, have uh, five minutes for each person to speak, four or five, whatever seems right. And then allow some time for um, cross conversation at the end. But while each of the three people are speaking, um, remain silent and listen, um, the other two folks. And so the questions that I'm going to ask you, um, hopefully you've got something to jot this down with, or one person in your group does. Hey, Robin? Yes. Would it be okay if I put them in the chat for everyone? I'll type them while you say them, or is that a no-no? No, that's fine. That'd be okay. great. Thank you. Sure. Um, I don't know if everyone sees chat when they get to the room so that they, they do Kim. They do. Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, if you miss the questions, you can just, um, you know, speak about what's moving through you when you think about spiritual friendship. So um, it, here are some possible questions to um, inspire your, your conversation. Um, one is, uh, what do you miss about Sangha in this physically isolated state when you think about your spiritual practice what do you feel a sense of lack or longing for and then kind of um conversely um 
Um, consider recalling a memory of a meaningful connection with someone from the Sangha, and this can be since the physical isolation or prior. But just one of those moments that just rises up in you, um, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or with the whole Sangha, um, just that moment of um, really feeling a palpable sense of physical, of um, spiritual friendship. And then finally, considering how might you, knowing how important spiritual friendship is along with, alongside individual practice, how might you cultivate spiritual friendships in your life? Either ones that you already have or new ones. And what might you need to do that? What would that look like? Especially now in whatever level of physical isolation your geographic area requires due to the pandemic. So as a summary, what do you miss about spiritual friendship? Memory of connection, either before or after physical distancing started? And how might you cultivate spiritual friendships? Everyone, I think you're Hello. back. Let's spend just about um, a few minutes sort of uh, reporting out anything that you um, shared in your group that you feel like uh, the, the larger group could benefit from hearing. And are people able to unmute themselves if they want to speak? I do encourage you to stay muted when you're not speaking. It will just help everyone else. Yeah, so uh, someone can jump in. I can't see all of you at once since I probably won't call out names. Just um, jump in if you have something to share from your group or yourself. I think, um, hi, I'm Joni um, here in Louisiana. And um, one thing that came up in our group was um, my experience in, in sitting and going into breakout rooms. The breakout rooms have been the most connecting piece of this whole Zoom experience. And I, um, I've, I was sharing that I had uh, just finished a 90-day commit to sit with another Sangha. And um, I feel like I have friends that I've connected with that we are going to stay in touch with uh, from all over the world. And that's a piece that I feel like has uh, been added. So many times I'll sit with a group and then we all leave and no one really knows who is who, um, but the breakout rooms have been just such a huge gift during this time, you know? So um, that's, that's what I have. Thank you. Thank you, Joni. Been thinking about you lately in Louisiana. It looks like you fared okay. Good. Amen, yes. Anyone um, else? I'm really curious about um, anything that may have come up in terms of, um, uh, either sharing a meaningful connection or something you, you miss beyond kind of what we shared already, um, or um, how you might going forward cultivate some spiritual friendships in a um, more mindful way than you might have already. Nelda has her hand raised. <laughs> Nelda, go. Hello, yeah, good, good, mor good morning, everyone. And I'll try to make this brief and I'll try to make this as uplifting and truthful at the same time. 
Um, I don't miss a single thing about pre-COVID Sangha because I found it very isolating um, to come and practice on Sunday. And, and so I'm sort of echoing the previous speaker. You come, you sit. And although on, and on one level, I, I get the practice and I appreciate the practice that whether we're here physically present with each other or not, we are connected to each other. But there seems to be a disconnect in what our practice is in terms of reaching and holding the world and what we actually do in Sangha practice. So I'm going to echo that I have felt more connected to Sangha members during COVID through breakout rooms than I ever did before. And so I love that that one-on-one. I, uh, I've only been practicing with Apamata about two and a half years now. And so because I tend to be a social being, I, I thought, how can I, even though I'm a new baby Buddha, how can I cultivate this, this connection with other members in Sangha? And at one point, when I went to an intensive, I tried to create a circle of, of friends, by getting phone numbers and reaching out once a week just to see how these lovely people in Sangha were. And it, it didn't seem to be something others wanted or needed. I don't know. I can't judge. But I let that practice go because I thought, well, if people don't want it or need it, then as I learned in a different tradition, let it go. But um, I wonder if it weren't for my tenacity in this practice, if I wouldn't have left long ago because of a lack of this. And so I wonder how post-COVID we might, as a community that embraces all beings, um, might um, create additional practices to to let others feel connected, especially those of us who are newbies and um, are just coming to that lovely spiritual, oh, I'm connected to the universe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Nelda. Mm -hmm. It's so good to see you. Thank good you to see you. That. I hear you. Um, I think, uh, Next week, um, I believe Ann Lipscomb, Lipscomb is going to lead the Dharma talk and actually Peg has put forth some questions um, that uh, are kind of around, you know, what, you know, sort of looking forward, what are the things that are needed at Appamata? What are some things you're wanting more of, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I think that is a really good insight. And um, at least for myself, when I read in the book about um, Again, he, he sort of went at length about how Western society is about is sort of overly individual focused on the individual and how many of us have really weak friendship muscles. Um, I think in subcultures in the West, um, some people are either individually or culturally in their part of society um, really good at friendship. And so when these two these two worlds meet one another, um, you know, the non-friendship people kind of freak out. And I think that poem really captures um, so much where we are that um, 
uh, what does she say? Um, we all want to be alone, I reply, except when we do not. <laughs> and uh, um, I think you probably ran into that. So anyone else? Yeah, Laurie. Yeah, Laurie. I was just, just going to say that um, I'll be doing the thing. It's on September 6th, and, and I'll be doing that. Oh, you'll be doing it. Okay, thank you. We will be doing that, looking at all this. Well, I would like to say that uh, I think Nelda has really uh, brought out a good thing that I always understood that it was really hard to get to know people when you're in silence all the time. And uh, what has happened with Zoom <clears throat> is we understand that a lecture on for you know however long they are a dharma talk just doesn't work like it does in person and so we we've added these uh breakout sessions and i just think maybe it's something that should be a matter of course along with the dharma talk so i, I think you bring out a good point that we maybe learned from that yeah and so i'm curious um did um, just before we wrap up, did anyone um, sort of think of something they might do differently to cultivate spiritual friendships during this continuing physical distancing time? Something you may do differently or some way that you're going to um, reach out or connect or show um, up um, in, a, in a different way than you have been? Yeah, Lauren. And again, I'm sorry, I can only see half of you. It's so sweet that there are two screens of you. So um, just Lauren will go. And then if someone else wanted to go on the other screen, just holler, you know. Lauren? Sorry, I, I didn't understand that, but I'm going to go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, at one point a few years ago, I had the realization that to have a friend, one needed to be a friend. And um, as, a, as an introvert, as a semi-introvert, um, sometimes that's hard for me. And um, I've recently rekindled a friendship. The first friendship that I made because of that decision, I uh, became a very deep friendship. Then, then there was a rift and now we're rekindling. And it was, as you said, when you were speaking that so the, that a friendship can deepen over time and space uh, in, in, the, in the lack of physical presence. And, um, but what I have not done as I've isolated maybe a little more than necessary during this pandemic is exercise that and practice that and, um, I have, I, I have uh, really not been taking part in Zoom Apamata happenings and um, until last week when I started listening to a lot of Dharma talks again, the way I used to. And um, this is the first Sunday morning breakouts, you know, the Sunday morning Dharma talk that I listened to in person and then had the experience of being in the breakout room in person and um, really appreciating uh, Robin's topic and um, the opportunity and the reminder to um, to be a friend and um, to to uh, perhaps 
leave my comfort zone a little bit and to reach out to another and and to to be a friend so thank you that was very well put to have a friend you need to be a friend that sounds like something that should have been taught in kindergarten if not before but i don't recall that being well uh well uh taught and practiced i think sometimes we wait for others to befriend us mm -hmm. yeah Sunny, go ahead. Or um, Sunny, go ahead. Oh, thank you. I wasn't sure if we had time. Uh, I wanted to just appreciate you for this topic. I think, as Lauren was saying, it's really a special for a lot of people at this particular time. But um, when times are hard, spiritual friendships really shine. They really show their value and the purpose of them. And I wanted to reflect on too the sort of thread around interacting and then silence, interacting and then silence. So my experience with silence is that when a lot of times when we interact, we actually occlude intimacy by talking. And so, so if, so as for the new people, yes, it, it, it can be cold and it is disorienting because what we do in Western society is we make a lot of noise to avoid knowing each other and we reinforce our identities through our blah, 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 blah. So, but that said, it's also true what Nelda was saying, right? And we all know that, right? So that, that you deepen your intimacy by connecting in meaningful ways, and then you go silent with each other. And then in that way, you're, it actually, the river runs even deeper in the, in the silence. So I've found some of my most intimate connections when we're not needing to entertain each other with chatter, and we can just be. So um, I guess I'm saying like, yes, and to what, what is being said, which is uh, there is obviously value in what you designed, Robin, with the breakout and the questions. And there's very, very clear value in silence as well. So um, they're both true, that's all. But, but I'm very grateful for this topic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I saw Linda, did you want to speak? And that would be our last speaker? No, okay. Um, I just anyone else? Uh, I just say something? Yes, please. Um, yeah, I think um, when you asked about what we miss about the Sangha, I think the actual presence of the Sangha for me, like I discussed in the group, was that actual, like when you're feeling under power and, and other people just notice it and they grab you for, for five minutes to, to have a real chatter and a hug and, and it's that not being able to really and, and I can tell if other people are a bit um, under par and you sense it in a, in a physical room and being able to kind of really go towards those people that you can see are struggling a bit. And I think that's a lot harder on Zoom. And I think I also talked about my resistance to reach out for help. So I always got the help in the, in the Zendo or in the Sangha group. People would just notice I wasn't quite right. And in this situation, I'm really struggling to, to reach out if I feel that way. And also to spot if other people are, it's so much easier in a physical. So it's like that, having to be much more careful about um, wondering how our friends are, how they're doing, and maybe putting that little bit of extra something in just to check in, even if it's a simple text or, or a, a call or something that you're able to do 
but yeah it is it's definitely that where I used to get grabbed and say oh you all right Maria you know you're not looking so you know and we'd have that chatter and a bit of a cry and let go of some emotion and and feel that release so I, I really miss that that part of it while this has been wonderful this um gathering and the this is my limbic hug today so thank you everybody thank <laughs> it's really you Maria. to see everybody's faces and hear people it's a big hug over a big ocean um <laughs> i think i think many of us can identify with what you're saying and um that's why the story um really touched me that the the guy comes back from seeing the buddha comes back home and his old teacher is like well why didn't you just stay there and he says well i i can hold him here and um i think if we think especially of people that we've lost ways that we connect with them and that we i remember you gail i think saying um or someone um, saying, I felt closest to my dad some years after he died, like six years after he died. And I completely know that feeling. And so um, uh, uh, what I hope is that when we are able to be together again, and when we travel to England, um, or uh, our friends abroad and all around the US and Texas come here, um, that we will feel that we know each other even better despite the distance. And this is the time when we can choose habits that um, cultivate spiritual friendship. And so thank you so much for being present today. We will uh, do our final chant. Um, so please stay with us for that. And um, you may always reach out to me through um, the Appamata website. And um, thank you for being here today. <laughs>